in the first week of June, 1944, the German general, Erwin Rommel, was strengthening the fortifications on the western parts of France. Rommel gained his fame in the Africa Corps, and they had brought him to Europe. Rommel's thought was, if Germany ever loses the control over France, they're going to lose the entire war. Rommel had done much for putting everything into preparation. He had all the fortifications built up. He thought he had everything right. And as he came to the weekend, he realized the weather was getting bad. It looked like a safe time to go home and celebrate his wife's birthday. Rommel's wife's birthday was on June 6th. So he left his home on June 5th, traveled back to Germany, and as you well know, on June 6th of 1944, one of the most important invasions took place, what we call D-Day. Rommel had prepared, he had worked really hard for this, and he missed it because he was distracted by something else. Here was a man who had sensed the importance of everything that was going on. Here was a man who recognized something was going to happen. He even knew where it was going to happen, but he became distracted. And the facts show that on that important day, the combined British and American forces gained the foothold on the coast of Normandy and eventually destroyed the Third Reich. I got to thinking about that. How many people through history have missed the important event? Maybe you've had something like that happen where something major was happening and you got caught at work. You got caught in traffic. You got sick, and all of a sudden, you weren't able to be where you had hoped to be. This morning, we're going to look at some people who missed Christmas. When I speak of these people, I'm speaking of the people who missed the first Christmas, people who missed the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe in another sense, though, I'm talking to people who live today. Who are missing Christmas. You know, God had told the Jews that the Messiah was coming, and he gave them a very specific timeline. In Daniel chapter 9, Daniel prophesied that the Messiah was coming. We read in Daniel chapter 9, verse 1, uh, verses 2 and 3, in the first year of his, this is Darius, which is mentioned in verse 1, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of years, whereof the, Lord, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. And I, Daniel, set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. 
Now, Jeremiah was prophesying when Daniel was a, a boy and a teenager. This would have been the early, this would have been 620, 605, and Jeremiah kept writing through the fall of Jerusalem, which would have been 586 B.C. Daniel was taken as a teenager in 605 B.C. He was one of the first ones to be deported. Then Daniel went to Babylon. His name was changed, he as well as several of his peers. And now Daniel is in his 80s. And Daniel is reading, pouring over the books of Jeremiah, some of the verses. We don't know for certain all that he covered, but because he specifically mentions Jeremiah, notice in Jeremiah chapter 25 we read, Moreover, I will take from them the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the sound of the millstones, work taking place, and the light of the candle, and this whole land, talking about Israel, shall be a desolation and an astonishment, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. Daniel is reading what Jeremiah had prophesied, and Daniel is realizing 70 years. 70 years is what God said. And it shall come to pass, when 70 years are accomplished, that I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, saith the Lord, for their iniquity, and the land of the Chaldeans, and will make it perpetual desolations. And I will bring upon that land all my words which I have pronounced against it, even all that is written in this book, which Jeremiah hath prophesied against all nations. For many nations and great kings shall serve themselves of them also, and I will recompense them according to their deeds and according to the works of their own hands. Just a little later in the book of Jeremiah, he would have read, For thus saith the Lord, that after seventy years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you, in causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you, and ye shall seek me, and ye shall find me when ye search for me with all your heart. And I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity, and I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places whither I have driven you, saith the Lord, and I will bring you again unto the place where I caused you to be carried away captive. Imagine Daniel as he's reading this, and he is now 80, and he's realizing, I've been in Babylon a long time. Daniel knew from Jeremiah's writings that the 70-year captivity was nearly over. 605 was when he was taken. It says this was the first year of Darius. That would be 539 B.C. He had been in exile 66 or 67 years at this point. He knew he was within four or uh, three years of actually seeing God liberate them. Daniel also knew from the scriptures that repentance was part of this restoration that was going to take place. And so we read in Daniel 
chapter 9, verses 3 through 19, Daniel's prayer. And Daniel began praying and asking for forgiveness for him, for the people, and Daniel also began praying for God's mercy because they didn't deserve God to do this. But based on God's word, he knew it was going to take place. So Daniel is looking at this, and Daniel is thinking, God's going to restore the kingdom. God's going to bring it back. The Messiah will come and release us. Daniel is very excited. And the question is, when is the Messiah coming? We read in verse 21, after Daniel has been praying, that Gabriel comes to help Daniel understand. And Gabriel tells him the kingdom is not coming at the end of 70 years, but 70 weeks or 77s of years, which would be 490 years from that point. We read, Gabriel informed me and talked with me and said, Oh, Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring an everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. He says this is what's going to happen in these 77s, in this time period of 490 years. He says... Transgression will be finished. The rebellion will be restrained. He will make an end of sins. Sinning will be locked up. To make reconciliation, atonement will be made. To bring righteousness, there will be an age. He uses the term everlasting. The term there is an age of righteousness. And to end visions and prophecy, to completely fulfill all that was said. And to anoint the most holy. There's going to be a new temple that's going to be built. Now these are the things that it says. He says, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the Prince, shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall even in troublous times. And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary and the end thereof shall be with a flood. And unto the end of the war desolations are determined. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations he shall make it desolate even until the consummation, and that determined shall be poured out upon the desolate. So Daniel is hearing all of this. Daniel is excited about the fact that the Babylonian captivity, the 70 years, is going to be finished. And he thought then it was going to be the total restoration, and finally we're going to go back to the zenith of Israel. And what he hears is something totally different. The angel says there are 70 weeks or 70 sevens of years. There's going to be seven weeks 
and then it talks about 62 weeks, and then it talks about a final week. So we have 49 years, 434 years, and then you notice there's a dotted line there, and that is because it says something's going to happen in the 69th week, and the Messiah is going to be cut off, and then certain things are going to take place, and then the 70th week will begin when these events happen. So when do the 490 years begin? That's what Daniel wanted to know. He says, know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall even in troublous times. So here we find Messiah is going to come when the seven weeks and the 62 weeks, which are, are back to back, 483 years from the decree to build Jerusalem, Messiah will come. This is amazing. God is telling you specifically the Messiah is coming and this is when he's going to come. Now we know from the prophecies, we know that Jesus will be born in Bethlehem, as we heard this morning. But thou, Bethlehem, you're not the least among all the cities because unto you is going to be the Messiah that's going to come. We know that he will be born of a virgin. We know many different things that will identify the Messiah. But one thing that's really important is God said, I'll even tell you when he's coming. He's going to come 483 years after the decree to go and rebuild Jerusalem. After three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. There's some really important things that we need to know. He says, after 69 weeks, 483 years, the Messiah will come, but he's going to be cut off. This would be, this is the first coming. This is what we're celebrating when we celebrate Christmas. His first coming. But we read then, he's going to be cut off, but not for himself. You see, he's going to be killed by execution. And the Messiah is going to come and he's going to accomplish the first three goals that were stated that have to take place in these 70 weeks. But not for himself. You see, Jesus Christ came to be the propitiation. Jesus Christ came to be the substitute for others' sins. We read in verse 26 that the temple and Jerusalem are going to be destroyed after Messiah comes and after Messiah is cut off. And then we read 
that the land will be under continual war and occupation, the flood, a total devastation of that, and it's going to be a continuous thing until the 70th week begins. Now, there are events that begin the 70th week. Verse 27 of Daniel tells us there's going to be a peace treaty between Israel and a world leader, and that will begin the 70th week. The temple has to have been rebuilt again, and sacrifices are taking place again because halfway through that 70th week, temple worship is going to be, is going to be stopped, and there's going to be an abomination in this temple just like there was with Antiochus Epiphanes in the 60 in the 60s AD. Now knowing those things are really important for us because we come back to when was this command to rebuild? We know in Ezra chapter 1, Cyrus somewhere in the 5 530s says, go and rebuild the temple and Jerusalem. We know in Ezra 6, Darius says, go and rebuild the temple. In Ezra 7, Artaxerxes tells Ezra, go rebuild the temple. And in, uh, in 444, Artaxerxes tells Nehemiah, go back and rebuild the walls and Jerusalem. Now, either the first one or the fourth one would meet the criteria of what the Scripture says. The second and the third wouldn't because the command that the angel tells him in Daniel was, it's when Jeruth, the decree to rebuild Jerusalem, not the temple. Now, there's some observations I just like to think about. Observations about the 69 weeks of years. The second set, so you've got seven weeks of years, then you've got the 62 weeks of years, they follow each other. You've got 49 years for the rebuilding of Jerusalem. That would fit Nehemiah. 434 more years until Messiah comes and is going to be cut off. And then Daniel prophesies, Daniel learns Messiah will be here again at the end of the 70th week. So the Messiah is going to be here twice. We here talk about the second coming. That's not the rapture of the believers. That's not what's described in 1 Thessalonians 4. That is what is described as um, the second coming because he's actually going to come back as he did the first time. Messiah will be killed at the end of the 69th week. He died as a substitutionary death for Israel, according to Daniel 9.24. But the Messiah is alive at the end of the 70th week. Obviously, he's been resurrected. Obviously, he is alive. We read in the book of Acts, the angels, or the, the men in white, said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus which was taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in the like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. He was on the earth, he went up into the clouds. He's going to return through the clouds and come back down to the earth. What do we know about the rapture? He doesn't come back to the earth. 
he stays in the clouds and we go up to meet him. Notice what it says. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, this is Jesus speaking and he's telling the disciples, Jewish men, he's saying, you need to understand, they said, when are all these things going to take place? And as you read chapter 24, you realize he's speaking about, not about the rapture, he's talking about how will we know when the second coming is going to take place? Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heaven shall be shaken and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Daniel had all this information and he wrote it down so that the Jews and the Gentiles would know when the Messiah was coming. And yet as we read this morning in Matthew chapter 2, and as we would look at Luke chapter 2 as we've been memorizing, we find people who missed the Messiah. How could they miss the Messiah? I mean, the, it was very clear. Born to a virgin. Born in Bethlehem. Of the tribe of Judah. 480 years. He's going to be here. Now, there was some struggle. There, there are... I wish the Persian dating system was more accurate that we could pinpoint the exact year. You notice when I was giving some of those years, there's a couple years in there. We understand that he didn't have, that, that people wouldn't have those exact dates. I do find it interesting that the wise men who came and said, we've seen the sign, we've seen the star in the east, and we've come to worship him. Those were the men who had been trained by men who had been trained by men who had been trained by Daniel. Those were the wise men. Those were the magi. And those were the ones who had been waiting all those years. And when they saw the star, they immediately came to worship. We find at the same time, there was this world decree by the Romans who were ruling and he said, I want everyone to go to their home place. The place where they were born or where their ancestors were from. And there's going to be this taxing that takes place. So Jerusalem, so Bethlehem is packed with people. And a very pregnant lady and her fiance start going from place to place. And many innkeepers said so we don't have room how is it possible that this innkeeper missed this unique story well he was busy maybe we would say he just maybe someone didn't show up for work that day he was short-staffed we don't know but when we start realizing the way life is today 
that happens. He was a very fortunate innkeeper. We know that because he had all this business. I mean, business was booming. He could choose who he was going to let stay and who he wasn't. And when Joseph and Mary arrived on his doorstep, maybe even entered the waiting area, stood before his desk, he said, I have no room. He was preoccupied. And he had good excuses, probably. Maybe it was a family business and he was multitasking at the time. You know, is it too much to say that the world is filled with innkeepers today? We talk with people, they hear the gospel. They're just too busy. It's not that they are rejecting the gospel as much as they just don't have time to pay attention to the gospel. Some of us have family. It's not that they've rejected God so much. They just don't have time for God. And they're celebrating Christmas all around them, and yet they're missing Christmas. They're missing the Messiah. Second person I've thought about was Herod. You know, there was nothing likable about Herod. Herod was a ruler, and he really did a pretty good job of ruling. He knew how to negotiate politically, and he was doing a good job. But there wasn't anything to like about him. He wasn't kind. He's known as the old fox. He's guilty of many murders, including at least one wife and three of his sons that he murdered. Herod probably had no religion, but he knew the traditions of Israel. And yet he should have found Christmas. As we were reading in the text this morning, when the wise men came, and they came to where they would have thought a king would be in the, in the uh, crown in the capital city, Herod immediately goes to the wise, goes immediately to um, the, uh, the scribes. He goes to those who knew the scriptures, and he asked. Herod was at home, and he asked these wise men, these religious leaders, he said, find out where the future king's going to be born. And they said, in Bethlehem. But he didn't go to see this miraculous one. In fact, he was threatened rather than receiving God. Herod knew of the birth, of its location. He even knew its significance, but he missed it because of his greed and his self-interest. You know, Jesus made the statement, he said, what does it profit a man if he gained the whole world? And lose his own soul. In our own lives. We work so hard to collect this. To do this. To advance. But we have to ask ourselves. What does it profit? If I gain the whole world. But lose my soul. What would a man give in exchange for his soul? 
You know, there's a third group who missed the Messiah. And these are the religious leaders. The religious leaders, the chief priests, the scribes missed Christmas. They had the scriptures. The scriptures said the Messiah should be born in Bethlehem. They had the book of Daniel. They knew 483 years from the time of the decree to rebuild Jerusalem. That the Messiah was going to come. He knew, they knew now, as they looked back on history, in the dreams of Daniel in chapter 2 and in chapter 7 and in chapter 8, they knew that all this had come true. Babylon was going to be a major world dominating power. They knew the Medes and the Persians were going to be a dominating power and had been. They knew that Greece was and had been a dominating power just as Daniel had prophesied. And they knew that the Roman Empire was going to last just as Daniel had prophesied. All those things had been true. They had the scriptures. And they knew the scriptures. And as we studied on Wednesday night, a common question of the Pharisees and of the scribes was, so when do you think the Messiah is coming? And they were talking to the Messiah. How could it be that these religious leaders missed Christmas? How did they miss the Messiah? Yet when even the wise men show up and they say, where is he that is to be born the Messiah, the King of the Jews, they immediately could go to Micah and they would say, He'll be born in Bethlehem. What kept them from going with the wise men to see the Messiah? Was it their pride? You see, knowing the Bible is important. But it's possible to know the Bible and not know God. I grew up going to church. But just going didn't make me a disciple of Jesus Christ. You see, it's entirely possible for someone here this morning to be faithfully attending church, but not be a seeker, a follower of Jesus Christ. What are some lessons from these religious men? It's not enough to know the scriptures you need to have a relationship with him. It's possible to have gone to church, to have studied the scriptures, to have memorized them, and yet never to have met the author. Missing Christmas. I find it fascinating that not only did some people miss the Messiah, but there were people who found the Messiah. Who were they? It didn't have to do with wealth. Because we find the shepherds who were very poor, when they heard the news, they said, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. But you see, the finances weren't the issue because now you've got the wise men who said, we have seen his star in the east. And they came with gold and frankincense and myrrh. They had wealth. And then in chapter 2, just beyond where we've been memorizing, 
there are two key people that we read about. One was a man named Simeon, and one was a lady named Anna. Both of them, the scripture said, Simeon had been waiting for the consolation of Israel. He had been waiting for the Messiah. And when Jesus came in, he took the baby in his arms and he said, now I can depart in peace. The Messiah has come. He knew, he had read the scriptures. What was the difference? It was his personal choice. You see, what mattered was it didn't have to be the kings of the world or the religious leaders. It wasn't the innkeepers. It was those who were looking for God and looking to God. Why did, they, why did these people find Christmas? Why did they find the Messiah? Because they received God's word. The shepherds had an angelic visitor. The wise men saw a star. Our experience is actually superior to any of theirs. We have the scriptures. And how much have we ignored? How much of the scriptures have we read? And we saw it's too hard to read. Oh, that's Old Testament. I, I was talking to a couple of ladies the other day and they said, we just don't like the Old Testament. You like the Old Testament? I don't like the Old Testament. No, we don't read the Old Testament. We only read the New Testament. And I thought, so because you choose to like something or dislike something, you're going to dismiss 39 books of the Bible? You see, they received the announcement The scriptures are light. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It's God's word that helps us to understand the world around us and helps us to understand the path we should walk on. If today you have struggled and you say, how do I know that Jesus is the Messiah? Because all the prophecies point to him and shout, look at this one. There's no doubt who the Messiah is. And yet even today, I have good friends who reject Jesus Christ. Don't miss the Messiah. The Magi lived a great distance from Jerusalem. And the only sign they had beyond what was written in the scripture was they saw the star. They could have argued that they might have been mistaken. It's a long trip. It will be a lot more convenient if we stay at home. The shepherds could have refused the invitation. They were probably not dressed for the occasion. They had nothing to bring. They would not have been socially in that, in the circles of a newborn king. They could have argued who's going to take care of the sheep. But they said, let us now go even unto Bethlehem. Let's go see. 
Jesus today says, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. What must one do to find a Savior? One must recognize, as Daniel did, we've sinned. One must recognize the self-sufficient person never made the trip to the manger. Humble yourself and receive that gift. We don't know all that they understood, but we do know what they understood they received, and each time they praised God for the birth of their Lord. Have you ever received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? You know about him. You can't not know about him and continue to go to church. You know about him, but that doesn't mean that you have personally accepted him as Messiah, as the substitute who came and was cut off, but not for himself. Interestingly enough, 70 A.D., Jerusalem was destroyed. The temple was destroyed. Just as Daniel said, after, after the Messiah would be cut off, the temple would be destroyed, Jerusalem would be destroyed. If Jesus was not there by 70 A.D., Daniel was a fraud. Because as a prophet, you couldn't miss one prophecy it had to always be fulfilled. If it wasn't fulfilled, you knew that person was not a legitimate prophet. It's exactly as the scripture said. And now there is this break, and we are waiting for this 70th week. We have never seen what scripture said fulfilled to tell us that we are into the 70th week of Daniel. We do know this. From that destruction... In 70 A.D., Israel has been in turmoil ever since. People have fought over it. It's been a wasteland. It's been fought over again. It's always in the news. It will always be in the news, and there will always be this flood and this destruction and this upheaval until that 70th week begins. Christians will be removed from that, and that 70th week is called the tribulation. It's a time when it starts good. And a world leader is going to make a deal with Israel. And Israel now will be free from fighting, free from all the Patriot missiles, free from all the different things that they're having to use to protect themselves, free from the tunnels that are constantly being dug from the Gaza Strip and up into the living spaces of Israel where they're being attacked. They will be at peace. They will sign a treaty. And they will begin worshiping in a temple again for three and a half years. And then it's going to stop. And then there's going to be destruction 
and you'll find the great tribulation, the more difficult than the beginning of it. But at the end of that 70th week, Messiah will appear the second time. And God loved us so much he wanted us to know that. Don't miss the Messiah. Don't miss Christmas. Why do we celebrate Christmas? We celebrate Christmas because the greatest event, greater than creation, took place when God became man. And he came and would be cut off for me and for you. Why wouldn't we celebrate that? You say, well, I don't know the exact date. I don't know the exact date either, but I do know this. I celebrate that the Messiah came. And I look forward when he will rule and reign on this earth. And there will be a time of a thousand years where it will be the way things should be. And then all those who were born during that time of tribulation, during, during the time of millennium, will have an opportunity to accept or reject Jesus as Messiah. Satan will be released one last time and then Satan will be banished to the lake of fire forever. Everyone has a choice. Don't miss Christmas. Receive him if you have not. And if you have, don't let the busyness, the office parties, the travel, all of those things cause you to miss God who humbled himself and became man for you.